0: has said over the years, gang, this is Peter John for Rogue Grace. The reason our theology is certain is because it takes us outside of ourselves. So said Martin Luther. Somewhat, 500 years ago? By the way, today is Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So, happy birthday, Abe. I hope you're enjoying your time in the presence of the Lord. I have a feeling that you are. So, Abraham Lincoln, as you know, he loved God. He is the one who set into motion our now holiday called Thanksgiving. So Abe Lincoln was a guy after God's heart. And I had some facts that I just looked at that were more than interesting, but I forgot them. That's the problem with having a brain that's still trying to recover. So, sorry about that. I do know it's Abe Lincoln's birthday. So, let's get off to a better start for our show, Rogue Grace, hopefully. I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm going to be getting together with some of you on the mountaintop as we go through the book of Romans together. Now, it's going to be a challenge for me to try to get through the 16 chapters in one weekend, Friday night and then Saturday morning. So I have a feeling we're going to do a whole lot of reading you know what? At this point in my life, this age I'm in, that's not a bad thing (laughs) to simply be reading the Bible. In, In fact, here's a little, maybe I hope not too much information, but when I read the Bible, it used to be that I had different thoughts and analysis, and it was all good. I'd write it down or type it out sometimes, many times, most times. And now those thoughts are all vanished. <laughs> They're somewhere out in the ethereal or the universe somewhere ever since my brain operations And now I read the Bible, and I have to admit to you, and I hope I don't lose my job over this, although I have pretty good job security, but when I read the Bible, I don't get a whole lot of new thoughts. (laughs) It's kind of like I'm just reading what I'm reading, and that's what I'm reading, where it used to be the preacher-pastor mind in me would try to go this way and that way and the other way and receive all that God has, but in, I don't know how many different directions. And now it's just like, I'm reading the words off the page and that's what it is. The good thing is I don't mind, that I have no mind. And I guess that's simply because of God's providence and his sovereignty. Anyways, I am going over my notes in the last couple of days um, after the radio show for the retreat coming up. And uh, I was reminded that there were... the, 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 the church in Rome, when Paul wrote to the Romans consisted of probably about 5 or maybe at the most 6 homes that's what it was 5 or 6 homes home churches and these guys were comprised of both gentiles and former Jews so it wasn't like a massive Cathedral or giant organization. It was a small home church that Paul was writing to about the justification that we have in Jesus Christ. You know what? Why was he saying that to them? You know the story. Because even though it was only five or six home churches, it wouldn't be long after that, it would explode. And therefore, Rome and Caesars tried to stomp it out. But why did the Christians have such courage even though they were being persecuted and prosecuted? Because they knew that they were justified by faith alone. That they had a righteousness through Jesus Christ. You know, chances are, We're not going to be persecuted like that, but what I can do is face criticism a whole lot better. I can deal with um, tension a whole lot with a whole lot more grace when I realize that my justification is not based on what he says or she says or even what you say, believe it or not. I can make it that, but it's not theologically, biblically that my justification is on what God, God, the maker of heaven and earth, God, the beginning and the end, what God has to say about me. And the same is obviously true for you. That's why this is a good day.
1: This is a good day Jesus your mercy It is new for me It is new for me Be praised Let our worship rise in this place
0: Yet again, which one can do any day. I find this is the conclusion that the difference between sinking and walking is not what I am doing, but to where I am looking. You know what I'm referring to maybe? Peter, the apostle, the disciple. As he looked to Jesus, he stepped over that which otherwise would have sunk him. I'm so grateful that my salvation includes being able to look at my Savior that it's based on not me and my works and my holiness, but him and his work and his holiness. So simply by getting my concentration off of me and placing it upon him, I am not going to sink. I'm going to walk on that which I might have otherwise been sunk by. When I am focused on my ability to come to the Lord, I never do. When I'm focused, not on myself at all, but the one who walks on water, I can be just like him. I can do what he does. One day, yeah, one hour at a time. The law in the Old Testament, of course, says, look at yourself. Grace says, look to Jesus. That's all faith is. When Jesus would command the leper or the widow or the woman on their faith, all they were doing, whenever he said, it will be according to your faith. Whenever you see that, look at the story, look at the instance, and you see all they were doing was looking at Jesus. That is believing, admiring, appreciating Jesus. That's all faith is. Believing, admiring, appreciating Jesus. The more my heart is inclined to and feels love toward Jesus, I call that feeling, I call that emotion, I call that love. The word calls it faith. the law says over and over you can't do that and grace says nothing is impossible in other words it's not no 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 it is no k-n-o-w and bow going back to our story the law says stay in the boat don't even come out don't even come close to sinking or sinning Just add the K, sinking, right? Grace says, come. Even if you step out, even if you begin to sink, Jesus didn't say to Peter, you made your bed, now sleep in it. (laughs) You stepped out, now you're sinking. It's your problem. No, he said, in a very real sense, do not be afraid. I am. I'm so glad that perfect love and fear cannot coexist. First John chapter four, perfect love, which God has. It's not your love for God. Obviously perfect love is the love God has for you. And first John four says it casts out all fear. That perfect love is that he first loved me. So I'm being confident in his love for me, not the other way around. Like holding your kid's hand when they're little. Remember that? When I'd hold Charlotte's hand when she's two years old, learning to walk or just beginning to walk and we're crossing the street or what have you. And she thinks she's holding my hand, but you know what? Whether she's holding or letting go, gripping or loosing, It's me that's holding her hand. And don't you know that God is so uh, omnipotent, in a real way, enormous, that you think it's up to you to hold on to him? No, it's him who's holding on to you. So don't be afraid to step out like Peter did. In fact, here's the irony. In a real way, the wetter Peter got, the closer he encountered Jesus, in a sense. If I step out, I'm going to get all wet. I'm going to be in over my head. I'm going to look like a giant drip. Yeah, but you'll be closer to Jesus. Don't play it safe. Go for it. Notice Peter's various encounters with Jesus and what they led up to. His first encounter with Jesus, Peter in Luke 5 is quoted as saying, leave me, Lord. Of course, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fisher of men. But his first statement to Jesus was, leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. His second statement, so to speak, to Jesus was what what we're considering right now. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Come, Jesus said, and he walked on the water. Well, that's the second. So it goes from leave me, Lord, to tell me to come. And the third encounter he has with Jesus, he jumps out of the boat, swims to Jesus, after Jesus had risen from the dead, even though Peter had already betrayed, or I should say denied him. In fact, in a real way, he was saying, I'm coming whether you want me or not. (laughs) The one who is forgiven much, loves much. Can I reverse that for a moment? The one who loves much, it is because they are forgiven much. Don't you think? Peter knew he had been forgiven much. So he goes from leave me, Lord, to tell me to come, Lord, to I'm coming to you whether you want me to or not. What would you do if you knew that God loved you no matter what? I like what one writer said. Sorry, my brain is still having its fits. So I don't remember exactly who it was. She's a very famous author. You probably know her, if I said her name, but having another blank out here. But I do know she said this. When you're dancing, she said, don't look at your feet to see if you're doing it right. Just dance. (laughs) That's kind of cool, right? In a certain way. I mean, for most of us, we're really bad dancers. That can be safe to say because i I know my culture here in Applegate. We're really bad dancers. That's just the way it is. For the most part. We're not living in New York City or Miami Beach. But it's not about in our walk with God. Through the Lord, Jesus, it's not about your dancing skills. It's just as she said, don't look at your feet to see if you're doing it right. Just dance. Don't you love it? If you ever hear about or see people do that, like little kids even, they don't care if they have the dance moves right. They're just having a great time dancing. That's what it's like to draw near to Jesus, knowing It's not about your ability to come to him, because you never will in your ability. The only difference between sinking and walking on water is not what you are doing, but where you are looking. Look to Jesus. Considered that Jesus Christ has not only your faith, <clears throat> but I would even suggest more importantly, Jesus Christ has faith for you. No, no don't give me wrong. not necessarily faith in you, I mean faith for you. That in some ways, really, faith, your faith is resting in his faith. See, do I have faith that everything is going to be all right? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. But Jesus always does. That's why in the book of Matthew, he chided them for unbelief. They didn't believe that all things were possible for him, for Jesus Now, here's a, here's an example of what I'm talking about. In Romans 3, verse 22, we are told about having faith in Jesus Christ. But as you may know, did you know that literally reads by faith Jesus Christ? So what I'm saying is there's no preposition between faith and Jesus. So... It's up to the translator, the one reading it in the Greek language to determine if that statement is objective or subjective. In other words, is it faith in Jesus or is it the faith of Jesus that we are saved by? Now, so many places in the New Testament, it makes it crystal clear, does it not? We are saved by our faith in Jesus. And the point is made through the scriptures But in this instance, it could be either just as equal faith in Jesus or the faith of Jesus. Is faith what he gets or is faith what he has? For example, in Romans 3, verse 3, it translates the faith of God in the same way that it says the faith of Jesus Christ in Romans chapter 3, verse 22, or it could say the faith of in Jesus Christ in Romans 3.22. But my point is that very scriptures also translated the faith of as well as the faith in. The translator had to put their own personal translation, whether it's in or of. My point is this. It could either be the faith of Jesus or faith in Jesus. It could just as easily be as much as have faith in Jesus and you will be justified, which is absolutely true. It could also be translated, it's the faith of Jesus. We might say Jesus' faith, his faithfulness, his fidelity. See how radical this can be? Maybe you do. Probably not, but if you're hanging in there, maybe you do. It's one thing to be saved by faith in Jesus, absolutely, but how about to be saved by the faith of Jesus? Who says, why, by that I mean he's saying, I'm never tired even if you are. I do not waver even when you do. I will carry you when you can't go on. You might have faith in me sometimes, most times. I always am faithful For you. Yes. I love that. I love that Romans 3, verse 22, can either be objective or subjective, depending on how one chooses to translate it, because they're both absolutely true. It's the faith in Jesus, and it is also the faith of Jesus that has saved us. Just as much as me placing my faith in him, in fact, more so is his faithfulness to me and you.
2: In the sunset fades Lullabies have all been sung We're tucking in another day Stars appear now one by one But the stillness moves and the silence yields. Not a single beat is lost, you can hear the chorus in the field, taking up where we left off. i
0: In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, that's why. I'm glad for this state of mind that I'm in, which some might very well say is out of my mind, because when I read that, that's all I read. Wherein maybe last year or some time ago, I would have looked at five to ten different ways to translate that and to apply that and to cross-illiterate that through the scriptures. Good. But now I just read this is love not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation for our sins so beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another see this is love now let me say Poles today reveal that the vast majority of Americans believe that there is a God. The majority believe there is a God and the majority believe that God is love. Question is, where do we get that from? People are assuming, believing that God is love. From what? From a world religion? No. Because Eastern religion, which so many people give props to and credit for, says that God is an impersonal force, not a a God of love. Islam, as you know, that God Allah is not a friend, nor a father. Ancient cultures, through the centuries, God is terrifying their gods, appeased by blood sacrifices. Well, if you look at nature, think about a shark eating a seal. Or as Darwin said, the origin of species by means of natural selection for preservation of favored races in the struggle of life. That's how evolution, the theory works struggle of life favored races so how do we know that God is love we get it from the Bible there you go as I just read in first John 4 verse 10 as you just heard me say didn't you this is love not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. This is love. This is love. God is love. He sent his son. God gave his son because he loved you. That's what we might, if you would, refer to as common grace. God gave his son because he loved you. And also God loves you because he gave his son. (laughs) We might call that particular grace, but either way, it's a double, double. Do you ever order the double, double? I don't think you do. If you're a lady, not necessarily, maybe. Props if you do. Double, double grace. God gave his son because he loved you and God loves you because he gave his son. His most precious, only begotten son he gave. So therefore he loves you as well as he loves you. Therefore he gave his most precious, only begotten son. Here's the bad news and the good news about what I'm saying. The bad news, let me get it over with first. It's a lifelong process to become more like God. Yeah, that's kind of bad news, I suppose, right? It's going to take the 50, 60, 70, 80 years to begin to become more like God. Yeah, it's true. But the good news is while that is taking place, while the process is long, the good news is God has grace for you. All the way and grace will lead me and you home like a glacier, you know, you don't really notice it's moving. Do you until they put it on the fast forward, right on the time elapsed movie or film, then you can notice the difference. And so, too, it might not seem like much right now that you're becoming more like God, but compared to where you used to be, let's say five years, 10 years, 15 years ago, you've made quite a journey. And in the meantime, God has grace for you, and that grace will lead you home. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the last little segment of Rogue Grace on this Friday. Yep, you made it. It's Friday. And we just heard how important it is to shout to the masses from the mountaintops. To shout to the people from the top of the mountain. That he is God. So, if you want to be in a better mood today, tell someone, talk to someone about the glory or the greatness of God. And see if you can remain in that rut. You won't. See if you can get out of that rut. You will. There's something within us made in the image of God that is lifted, built up within us. You know, when I was out of it in the hospital, I'm told that while much of what I said made no sense, I could and loved to talk about God and his word. I'm not joking. I'm not making that up, although it sounds like I am. I'm not. Because there's something deep within us deeper even than our conscience that is satisfied as we talk, as we enunciate the truth of God. I know that's for me. I might be battling the blues or I might be stressed out in a sense, maybe to a, a small degree. But when I talk about the Lord, whether here on the air, whether with my kids, whether to my wife, whether to the church, whether to a stranger, something within me deep is lifted up and raised up. And I know you can attest to that. You can also say that's true. Talk about God. I, by that, I don't mean you have to be a theologian necessarily. You don't have to have the Bible memorized Just talk about what you know. Talk about what you understand about God. Talk about that at the store, at school, at work, at home. See if that then gets you out of the rut. I believe, I am certain that it will. Come out tonight, to Friday night, to. The group in which it's kind of like one step, not 12 steps, one step into the grace of God. So for those that have dealt with 12 steps or are going through struggles and, and overcoming or wanting to overcome addiction, you will not find a more welcoming place and a more healing place the gathering tonight at one step here at the church and it's over at the A-frame the house right next to the church cool place and I heard I heard word has it they're going to cook up some mean soup stew I know that sounds perhaps a little raggedy but not when you have this kind of soup and this kind of stew it's from what I hear legendary so don't miss it come on out I don't care if you're struggling with heroin or drinking too much or drinking too much diet coke come on out you'll be blessed We're two or more gathered in his name Jesus says I am there alright see you this Sunday see you on the mountaintop see ya as we used to say here there in the air thanks for tuning in God bless you